2020 has been a year of unprecedented upheaval, at least in the living memory of most Americans. In the November-December issue of our Lamplighter magazine, I refer to this year as the year of the perfect storm. It began with the coronavirus pandemic, which led to the collapse of the stock market. Then came a shutdown of our economy, producing record unemployment and an outburst of racial tensions and urban unrest. Needless to say, most of us are going to be glad to turn the page into 2021. But the year is not over. We're about to undergo a national election that is presenting us with a stark contrast between candidates and visions for the future of our nation. As we face that election, we need to consider how we as Christians should exercise our responsibility to vote according to biblical principles. Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My co-host Nathan Jones and I are going to focus this program on an interview with Colonel Tim Moore about Christian citizenship in the upcoming national election. Now, for those of you who might not be familiar with Tim, he is the ministry's associate evangelist and my designated successor, and he is a retired colonel from the U.S. Air Force and he recently completed serving for 13 years in the House of Representatives of the Kentucky State Legislature. So, he is uniquely qualified to speak about Christian citizenship from a biblical perspective. Nathan, how about you posing the first question? All right. Well, Tim, as Christians, what would be the most important consideration when we're trying to choose whom to vote for? Should it be a particular uh, topic, or should it be a by party lines, or should it be by race or gender issues? What is or how even should family tradition? Or, or even yeah. family tradition? <laughs> yeah, like yes. Generations we voted this. I mean, how as Christians should we be voting? Well, clearly, Dave set it up in the very introduction to this episode. We should be voting according to Christian or biblical principles. And so we can go back in time to even one of our former episodes where Rafael Cruz, Ted Cruz's father, was here, and he shared a tremendously important and insightful verse from Exodus when Moses was trying to deliberate between all the different uh, controversies, perhaps even amongst his people. His father-in-law Jethro said, "You would be wise to pick men who could assist you in that role." And he said in Exodus chapter 18, verse 21, he said, "You shall select out of the, all the people able men who fear God." men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain. And so that's a great guideline for the kind of folks we would like to have representing us, men and women who fear God first and foremost, who love truth, and who hate dishonest gain. And so in any given election, inevitably it comes down typically to one candidate against another. There are two primary choices. And so it is a matter of applying biblical principles, not party, not race, not any of those other considerations, including family heritage, but determining which one stands for and will uphold and honor Christian principles more than the other. Fantastic. That's so, we shouldn't be one issue people, voters. We shouldn't be based on races or ethnicity or how much money that we could get. It should be based on the Bible. It should be based on biblical principles. And I found, and I think I've shared with this, this with you all before, having served in the legislature, I could tell you where a particular legislator or even a candidate would come down based on a few bellwether issues that you would say represented their personal platform. For me, 
The first and foremost was life. Did a person defend innocent, unborn life, or did they relegate the unborn to the trash heap of our society uh, supporting abortion on demand? And that issue would indicate to me where they would stand on a whole host of other issues, and it still does to this day. Well, that's a good litmus test. Now, at the beginning of this uh, program, I mentioned that uh, we're facing a stark contrast yes. uh, in this uh, particular election, probably more so than since the Civil War. Now, elaborate on that. What is the stark contrast? Well, the stark contrast is not just in terms of the individuals, and we can touch on that, but I think it's, it's deeper than that. I think it goes to the platforms and the visions that the two primary parties have for America and for our future. And so you can go to the Internet. Those watching us today can go online and look at the party platforms. I will tell you that the Republican Party simply readopted their platform from 2016. They decided not to reform it because really there's been not much change in their position. In that platform, God is mentioned 15 times, and they go through a whole litany of practical ways in which they're going to honor biblical values. For instance, in the preamble, uh, the Republican platform says every time we sing God Bless America, we're asking for help from God Almighty. Wow. They go on to talk about defending marriage against an activist judiciary and rejecting some of the trends in our society as they uphold one marriage between man and woman, a marriage between one man and one woman. They talk about all the various amendments in our Bill of Rights, the first ten. The first one being religious liberty and how they determine they're going to uphold religious liberty so people can worship the Lord God as their conscience dictates. They talk about the Fifth Amendment as being key to supporting innocent life. And so that is a, a particularly important party platform for the Republican Party. The pro-choice party. The pro-life party. pro-life party, I mean. Yes, sir, yeah. most definitely pro-life. And then if you look at the Democratic platform, admittedly it mentions God one time. And that was very controversial, if yeah, you remember. They tried to vote it they out. They tried the to remove right? God from their party, party platform altogether. Okay. But the Democratic Party includes God's name one time. And then they go on to talk about how they want to repair the soul of this nation by emphasizing a, an embrace of abortion. They want to refund Planned Parenthood and endorse federal funding for abortion at an unlimited rate. They want to reject the Hyde Amendment which has stopped the funding of abortions with federal taxpayer dollars, but they want to codify the right to an abortion at any age. They want to double down on the sexual revolution when it comes to LGBTQ issues and rejecting traditional marriage. And again, talking about healing the soul of America, they emphasize the belief, the vision, that our country is, is built on structural racism, misogyny, and again, discrimination against LGBTQ people. And they're going to fix all of that as part of healing the soul. So there's a very divergent vision for America between the two parties, and that's obviously reflected and by the candidates. And let me tell you something, that, that divergence is even more radical when you consider the agreement that Biden signed with Bernie Sanders, oh. a 110-page agreement to get his support, and he just simply gave in to the progressives. Well, most of this platform and most of the policy initiatives that have come out since the primary was determined was written by a group of people that was stacked with Bernie Sanders supporters. So they were avidly pro-socialist. And in that and unity agreement, God's not mentioned one time. No, sir. Israel's only mentioned once, and it's a, a very vague thing about 
if we're elected, we will invite Israel to participate in technologies, uh, technological development right. of clean air things. Exactly. And that's all they said about Israel. Yes, no, Israel is rejected out of course, and we have seen the parties diverge even in their support for Israel in recent years. Well, maybe you can give me some history then, Tim, because I noticed that over the years, the Republicans and the Democrats love the love God for the most part, love the nation. But in the last eight, 10 years, it seems like the two parties are spreading farther and farther apart in the way they view America no to the doubt. point now their visions for the future of America are vastly different and if not compatible. Well, you're exactly right, Nathan. I would say there was a time when there was a blending of perspective between the two parties. They had certain policy disagreements, but by and large, they were God-fearing and honoring of Judeo-Christian values. There were many conservative Democrats back in the day. There were some liberal Republicans, and so there was a, an overlap. That overlap has almost completely evaporated, and there's a great chasm, a great divide even between the two parties. And it is indicated just by the determination to include God, to honor God in one party's platform, and an effort to exclude Him from the other party's platform. And I think that really goes to the heart of why people okay. who are populating these two parties are gravitating so far apart. One is doubling down on secularism, humanism, and an antagonism toward Judeo-Christian values. The other is upholding those things, not perfectly, but at least saying we will stand on these principles well, which have guided us. Well, you're absolutely right. It's the erosion of the Judeo-Christian platform that this nation was established upon. Yes. Our Constitution was established upon it. Our Constitution assumes that there will always be a Judeo-Christian uh, foundation, because otherwise the Constitution won't work. Yes. And yet we have abandoned that. It started in the 60s with the, uh, with the uh, sexual revolution. It has continued since that time. It has become increasingly uh, uh, progressive over the years, using that term progressive, and I don't like that term. No, it sounds progressive. like something positive, and it's very negative. Yeah, it's completely yeah. regressive. Progressive but, uh, means socialistic, yeah. and that's their so ideology. You're saying more of a commitment to socialism, more of a commitment to secularism, uh, pagan concepts. Uh, it's, it's just a, a tremendous divide that has occurred in this country. I don't think this country has been this divided since the Civil War. I don't either. And as a matter of fact, uh, political scientists can track these things and they say we are more divided than at any time since the Civil War. And right now we may be approaching that then level. Then it was the North against the South. Now it's the two coasts against the inner it's a two coast geographically, but it's also a divide uh, with the principles oh, yeah, sure. that are reflected in yeah. individual hearts and lives. You know, George Washington was so insightful. He said, our system of government will not work for a people who is not moral and upstanding, not because of the laws that we impose upon them, but because the laws that are written upon their hearts based on their foundation of religion and morality that comes from the author of life himself. And so they respected those Christian values. Well, I really appreciate you pointing out these stark differences because I really believe that most people in America today are making their decisions about voting by who comes across best on television? Who's the best looking? Uh, what you know, Abraham Lincoln would never have won a presidential no. <laughs> election today. No, uh, George Washington certainly wouldn't have. Uh, you've got to be glib. You've got to be articulate, and all that sort of thing. And and people need to be looking at the issues. This has th these issues are going to determine the whole future of our nation and the vision too, because they have two. Each party has a totally different vision for the future, right? Maybe you could give us a little something. What do the Democrats see America becoming? What do the Republicans see America? Well, 
Well, as you say, the Democrats in their platform, and again, this is not about party. We're trying to peel right. back the party labels. Absolutely. But the Democratic Party believes that America is built upon a falsehood, which is system, systematic racism, systemic racism, as they would say, misogyny, which means a hatred of women, and a, a rejection of all the sexual revolution ideals which have come about of late. And they want to embrace those things and throw out all that our foundations are based upon. Seemingly even the First Amendment. Uh, they seem to have no respect for freedom of speech or freedom of religion anymore. Well, and so the conservatives, by definition, want to conserve that which is good. Not to say everything we have ever done or been is right, but conserve that which is good and has brought us and forward to today. forget the one amendment that hasn't been mentioned that the Democrats hate with a passion. Second. The Second Amendment. Yes. Because if you take the weaponry away from the people, they can't defend themselves and you have complete control. Totalitarians always want to take away two things, all guns and all Bibles. Hi, I'm Tim Moore. Many of you watching the Christ in Prophecy television show have been blessed by the teachings and information we've presented for years. Did you know that Lamb and Lion Ministries also produces a bi-monthly magazine called The Lamplighter? Every other month we publish a magazine filled with articles related to Bible prophecy. We highlight cultural trends and make observations about the current events of the day to point people to our soon returning King, Jesus Christ. If you become a Prophecy Partner, you'll receive the magazine automatically. If you're not a Prophecy Partner, you can receive the electronic version of our magazine at no cost. Or we'll be glad to mail a print edition to your home in the U.S. for an annual donation of only $25. Just call the number on the screen or go to ChristinProphecy.org to learn more. You know, Psalm 119.105 says, God's Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I hope you'll consider receiving the magazine that will shine the light of God's prophetic Word into your life. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion of Christian citizenship in the upcoming election. We're interviewing this ministry's associate evangelist who spent 13 years in the Kentucky State Legislature, and we're asking him how Christians should evaluate political parties and candidates from a biblical perspective. Tim, I want to bring up a very sensitive topic. And folks, what I have in mind is that many Christians are saying, I like Trump's policies, but I don't like him. He's not a model of Christian living. He has a playboy past. He's loose with the truth. He's exceedingly prideful. And he's often mean-spirited in his vicious attacks on individuals who criticize him. Non-Christians are more to the point. They just simply say, Christians are hypocritical to support a person like Trump. How in the world do you respond to these kind of statements? Well, I can't disagree with some of the criticisms any more than my wife would say that I sometimes say things that uh, she wouldn't endorse or support. Can she you believe that? She would actually that? say that. Yes, yeah. she would. <laughs> but on balance, she knows where my heart is and she knows the things that I stand for and do. And so all of us fall short of the perfection that some would suggest a, a candidate should possess, especially for a president. But I like what Tucker Carlson had to say recently. He said, if you're wondering why so many Christians have been willing to support this president despite his personal life, this is why. It's because whatever his flaws, he's made it clear that he is not the enemy of Christians. And I think that's exactly well, what he Christians have. Done that. Well, Christians have found over time that they've been promised many things by candidates at every level, and then they fall short of delivering. 
But Mr. Trump promised that he would support Israel. He has done so. He promised he would support unborn life. He's certainly done that. Arguably the most pro-life president we've ever seen with his court appointments and other nominations. And so he has stood for the things that matter most. And yes, there are many flaws in his character as there are with all of us. And I'm not excusing any of those. I can point them out as readily as anybody else. But when it comes to the policies that he supports and the actions he has taken, they have reflected those Judeo-Christian principles. Well, I certainly principles. believe that he has a lot of character flaws. Uh, but the thing that has impressed me the most about him is that he kept all of his promises. And I, that's just blown me away. I've, I've, my whole life I've studied politics and I've been fed up with politicians who promise one thing, get in the office and do something else, or forget about what they promised. This was a man who promised to build a wall, promised to do something about illegal uh, immigration, promised to support uh, the efforts against abortion. He promised to appoint conservative justices to the court. It just goes on and on and on. I can't think of a single promise that he made that he has not kept. No, I, there's many that uh, Most unusual politician ever across. Well, yes. in that regard, for sure. And you were about to say? Well, I just, to piggyback on what you said, it seems like some of the greatest presidents in history had the most personality. I mean, look at Teddy Roosevelt. He was shot and kept giving a speech. Uh, you know, you've got Ronald Reagan and his tremendous acting. They're bigger than life, so their, their mistakes and that they've made in life seem bigger than life as well. Well, and I think there's, there's more even that to Trump in terms of, the Lord has used him in his imperfections. And, and let's dare say, he's used all of us, even in this role in, as evangelist for this ministry, in spite of our imperfections. That does not excuse our imperfections, but only Christ is perfect. And yet the Lord uses all of us as imperfect vessels to accomplish his will. We can go back to a prophetic voice from Scripture and look at Isaiah chapter 45, where he touts the fact that this, there would be this ruler called Cyrus. And this was a, pro a prophecy even before Cyrus was the, the king over Babylon. He said, the Lord is going to raise up Cyrus who will not be a believer. As a matter of fact, the Lord says, you will not even know me, but I'm going to raise you up to accomplish my will to bless specifically Israel in that day and age. And to this day, the Lord raises up and turns the jaws of kings and rulers where he will to accomplish his will in this world. And I think that's true in our nation and in other nations. Does that excuse the character flaws? No. But again, when we are voting, we're having to vote for a position of policies that are going to impact our nation going forward and impact the world, including Israel. Tim, what about the other side of the coin? There's things that, well, I just can't vote for President Trump because, you know, he's this and he's rude and he's all that. But then you have other people who are the complete opposite. And they're like, you can't criticize him. You can't say anything you say bad about him. say one critical word, You're, they go bizarre. I think I mean, once on our blog, we said something uh, negative about President Trump. And someone said, if Trump loses the election, I totally hold Lehman Line Ministries responsible <laughs> for, well, I mean, they, they, as they, if we had that much influence. Right. No. And they elevate him almost as a savior. Should we be looking at him like that as no, well? No, no. Our Savior is Jesus Christ. Amen. And He is the only person who is flawless and blameless and who never sinned. Everyone else falls short of the glory of God. Donald Trump, me, you, all of us fall short. I think it comes down in any election, as it always does, to a contrast and a comparison between two individuals. So this year, there's Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And with Mr. Trump, you can say that many of his statements are cringeworthy. I'll use that phrase, <laughs> cringeworthy. But his, his deeds and the things that he do are praiseworthy. And Dave, you've already mentioned several of those things. Joe Biden, many of the things he said 
says are confused or confusing, quite frankly. I don't know where he stands on issues until I look at the platform he is now endorsing, and yet the things that he has done over time have undermined Judeo-Christian values. I'll give you one example. The two things that are most important in our current era are life and lately the propagation of a, a sexual revolution, yes. that being embracing of LGBTQ identity, gender identity. And if you look back into Joe Biden's past, when he became the chairman of the Judiciary Committee of the United States Senate, the president at the time, Ronald Reagan, was going to nominate Robert Bork, a well-known, qualified. very qualified, well-known conservative. And Joe Biden himself said, well, we're going to have to uh, endorse him. We're going to have to uh, uh, go ahead and affirm him because he is very qualified. Previous to that, Antonin Scalia, another highly qualified conservative well, judge, was passed forward by the Senate 98 to nothing. But then Joe Biden decided to play politics. And he did something to Robert Bork that had never occurred. He undermined him at every character every moment. assassination. Exactly. They created a new verb in our lexicon. They said they borked him, meaning they took his name and turned it into a derogatory term of assassinating his character. We saw and that with Brett Kavanaugh. We certainly did. And so, for the first time, a justice was rejected to the Supreme Court based on that character assassination. And the person who replaced him instead was a mamby-pamby justice named Anthony Kennedy. And he, over time, not only endorsed and carried for the Roe versus Wade abortion policy, but he wrote the Obergefell doctrine and decision that embraced homosexual marriage and that has unleashed a torrent of sexual revolution policies on this nation. So, Joe Biden has specific culpability or responsibility for some of those horrors that have now Descended upon In 1980, country. Ronald Reagan was elected, and Francis Schaeffer, who was alive at that time, said, this is a window of grace that God has given this nation because this nation is on a downward spiral. And it was a window of grace, but as soon as Reagan left office, we picked up where we left off, going in that downward spiral of secularism, humanism, paganism, and it's accelerated. We have another window of grace this last four years. Perhaps we'll get four more years. Perhaps. But is America going on a downward spiral? We clearly are. And we've documented that many times on this program and through our writings. And Scripture tells us that every nation is going to go on a downward spiral over the course of time as the Lord's Particularly return. Particularly in the end times. Particularly in the end times. So we know that that's going to happen. And yet we are called to be yes. salt and light in whatever era we live. Absolutely. And the Lord holds us responsible, just like He held Ezekiel responsible. He said, this is what's going to happen. They're not going to listen to you. But your responsibility is to declare truth, whether they listen or not, lest I hold if you Christians responsible. Christians don't speak out for righteousness, nobody is going to speak exactly out for righteousness. Right. So we know what the end result will be, but our responsibility is to be salt and light to declare truth and to promote Judeo-Christian values and principles in this country and in whatever community we live, because that is what the Lord calls us to do. Well, I hope that people will take your advice and look at the issues that are involved, not just the personalities and who's the McGlibbist or who's the best on TV or who makes all the points uh, in a debate or whatever, but the important thing are the issues. The issues. And people need to realize that. You know, I thought about Joshua as an example. Joshua was commanded by the Lord to act in a certain manner as Israel was conquering the land. And some of the things that Joshua did by our uh, determination today were very harsh. 
but he was obeying what God called him to do. I know that Donald Trump is considered to be harsh in some of his uh, presentation. I don't defend that, but I think he is enacting policies that we as Christians have to support and would want for our nation and for the world. Mm -hmm. Because our citizenship isn't in America or whatever country, it's in heaven, right? Always. Boy, that's a good one. I like that. <laughs>Tim, do you have any final words for our viewers? Yes, Nathan, I do, and thank you for asking. Okay. Folks, this election has been touted as one of the most important in our nation's history. I would suggest that the elections of 1860 and 1864 were equally vital because they set us on a course toward civil war and eventual restoration of the Union. Like those elections, this one will determine which of two diametrically opposite paths our nation will follow in the future. The ideals and platforms presented by the two major parties offer dramatically different visions. Neither gets everything right from a Christian perspective, but one will inevitably undermine the Judeo-Christian values that have made us a shining city on a hill among the nations of the world. That party would lead us down the self-destructive path of socialism, humanism, and secularism. Christians can get caught up in the narrative being pushed by the media or buy into the propaganda that swirls around each campaign. They can fixate on the personal faults of individual candidates, which can lead to hopelessness and despair, or they can ignore the shortcomings of their favored candidate, allowing that person to be held as a little s savior for our country. Thoughtful and responsible followers of Jesus Christ should do neither. Indeed, we should evaluate the policies and record of each candidate and base our decision on which one conforms to the Word of God. Which candidate, and for that matter, which party, defends innocent life in the womb? Which one honors God's definition of marriage and His sovereign right as our Creator to make us a man or a woman? Which one respects our God-given right to religious liberty and our responsibility to worship the Almighty as our testimony of faith in Him? And which one has supported Israel in word and in deed? Some will argue that character matters above all else. I will agree to a point, but I would submit that compared to the spotless character of Jesus Christ, all of us fall short. So I go back to my assertion that we must evaluate the policies and platforms of each candidate and discern which one will respect godly principles as opposed to which one will accelerate our decline into a godless society. I pray that each of you will prayerfully seek discernment from God and will place your commitment to Him above all else as you vote this November. Well, thank you very much, uh, Tim. I appreciate you sharing your viewpoint from both a biblical and a political perspective. God's given you a unique view there. Well, folks, that's our program for today. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope, too, the Lord willing, that you'll be back with us again next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries, saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Dr. Reagan's book, Living for Christ in the End Times, subtitled Coping with Anarchy and Apostasy, was originally published in the year 2000. The second edition is available and it brings the book up to date regarding the rapid decay of our society and the increasing apostasy in the church. He presents many ways to respond to and cope with both the collapse of society and spiritual deception. Some of the chapters are the collapse of society, the apostasy in the church, standing on the word of God, 
believing in the power of God, relying on the Holy Spirit, practicing tough faith, ordering your priorities, keeping an eternal perspective, and much more. This very relevant book can be yours for a donation of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. Just call the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time, or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. Christ in Prophecy is made possible through the faithful and generous support of viewers like you. Please consider making a donation to Lamb and Lion Ministries so that we can continue broadcasting the message of Jesus' soon return. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.